You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Well, hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of The Outspoken Bible. Uh, I'm Fiona Stewart and once again, we don't have Jen with us this week. So um, we're recording this uh, shortly after we recorded last week's episode. So um, Jen is still not with us, but we are once again joined by Adrian Armstrong. So hello, Adrian. Hello, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me back. Oh, well, listen, it was a treat to have you here. And of course, Neil is here too. Hello, Neil. Hello, Fiona. And Adrian, off air... We've just been having the most incredible conversation because we realised, although we didn't meet each other till much later in life, we we grew up all very near each other and have loads yeah. of people yeah. in common. Yeah. yeah. So That's big cool. shout out to Ross Aitken and Catherine Steedman and Carla McLeod and all these people, <laughs> Erica Page. <laughs> it's just a way of getting our listeners up. I know, exactly. Exactly. The trouble is they need to be here to hear it. But anyway, yes, there we go. Anyone who knows them can pass that oh, on. Oh yeah, I'm going um, to get in touch with them all later on and say, please listen to this podcast, you get a mention. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Well, uh, once again, we're talking about the Joseph story. So we began last week thinking about the overview, how it fits into the wider text. And of course, what we're doing is we're linking this to the resources that SBS is producing, which is Joseph and the Triumph of Grace, and then the associated resources that go along with that. Adrian, I know there was something that last time you wanted to, to talk about and you hadn't, which was yes. about the layout, I think, of the, of the, the I was going to say the gospel. It's not the gospel, obviously of the of the the book itself that that's right thanks Fiona um, I had mentioned last time that the first part of this is this illustrated so like a cartoon version but with huge detail um, of of the Joseph story and then after that you get the full text of Genesis but the one thing I didn't mention that's really important for the whole thing is that the inside flap which is like a double cover that folds out and the outside flaps a double cover they fold out and what they do is is in just in a few headings give an overview of the whole biblical story. So the inside flap gives you from creation all the way up to Joseph's story. And then the outside flap gives you from when Joseph's bones are taken away at the end of the story um, and, and then beginning of Exodus, right through uh, to the new heavens and the new earth. So, you know, the biblical story starts in the garden uh, and ends in a garden city. Um, and all of that is illustrated. And then there's Bible references underneath that as well. Uh, one of the things that um, Jen and, and research that she had commissioned looked at said that, you know, young people are very interested in the Bible, but but, it's, but they find it an intimidating book. Things that help are illustrations. This is illustrations. Um, the sense of, of, of having um, a bit of text to read, so the Bible portion there, um, but also the sense of Bible overview. What's the big story and how does this part of the biblical story fit into the whole Bible story? And of course, the resources were provided around that um, not only give opportunity for people to be reading the Bible with themselves, like Joseph Journal, uh, but also things like Grace Gatherings, the other downloadable resource, and getting together and having conversations about the Bible. That's how we can best understand it. So uh, you might think the SBS just punt out another book but this is actually based on research we've done with children and young people in Scotland saying um, the challenges that they have with reading the Bible this is a response to this uh, and so it's based on that research and uh, and we think it just uh, again an exceptional product which we really hope and pray that will be useful as we said last time not just children and young people for everyone that's interested in the Bible uh, I think you would love this book and just a great way to look at it uh, so thank you Fiona. 
That's great. And Neil and I have had it. We've, we've had a PDF version to have a look at. But even as you're describing it, I suspect listeners will be feeling as I am. I kind of just want to kind of look at this because you're describing it. And so maybe once people get hold of it, they want to uh, go back and listen again to what you've just said in terms of explaining the rationale yeah. behind that. That's available from scottish.bible. Um, I, you can yes. download and, and order uh, copies of it. I, I, Neil, want to go and, yeah, I want to go and look at it because... I think it will demand, I think it will be worth several readings. There, there are a couple of pages that are quite hard to understand on it. They're quite complex. The, um, yeah. the one with Potiphar's wife is is quite a demanding page. But actually, I think, you know, like good literature should make demands of you. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much so. And I think um, that's one of the great things about Jason's drawings, you know, um, someone when we described this they recently said oh it's just like the good news bible and, and and part of me wants to say yes there's wee illustrations and much as and i love the good news bible illustrations that there's a sense in which the detail which jason gets into an individual just seen in there are astonishing so one of the things that's big for him is he takes the characters and every character gets a symbol so all of the 12 sons mm. get their own particular uh, graphic that sits over their head, and that is derived from chapter 49, the blessing that Jacob speaks over mm. them. And you look into things, and as you say, Neil, you need to look at them again and again and again. And one of the things we discovered with Jason's illustrations for Dear Theo, which was the Luke Acts publication that Jason did, um, is that um, boys in particularly who were not interested in reading loved these pictures and they began to work out what was happening so the pictures themselves the drawings are a way of accessing the biblical text for people perhaps who for whom reading is a challenge or who find the bible reading difficult but they take you into the story so in that way it's a bit like the last podcast we're talking about rembrandt or tintoretto these 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 great masters paintings and things that enable you to look afresh at the biblical text that's what these drawings do so it's not just like here's a nice illustration you know we've deliberately put the two separate things you've got that illustrated section there and you can read that and that gives you the story and we actually have every piece of text in there that's in a speech bubble or whatever there's a little bit just to help guide the story is taken it's exactly the bible translation it's a new international readers version we're using again and that was produced in collaboration with children and young people uh, so that they could read easily it's a bit longer than your standard translation because they take out all the big words and put three or four smaller words that we can all actually understand so makes all it, of this makes it less interesting to the ear that's just i will always throw that in but yeah. Yes, yes, and 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 the poets amongst us, and yeah. uh, Fiona Stewart is a great it. poet, and um, <laughs> that um, this 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 sense that we we lose that 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 language, which of course as we grow sophisticated in our language, but of course always what I'm trying to look for in Bible engagement is trying to make the Bible accessible for yeah. people. Readability. And of course yeah. around the world, you know, Bible society is what we're trying to do. It's it's making it available to people at a price that they can afford and a format that they can use in a mm -hmm. language they can understand. Mm -hmm. and, and so often our our Bibles, you know here despite the fact we've had english translations you know for hundreds and hundreds of years and they're accessible perhaps in terms of price the format isn't accessible mm -hmm. and the language mm -hmm. isn't accessible yeah. 
and we have a crisis of reading amongst our, our young people. And, and the thing is, we need to bring that gap. The Bible is just full of, and particularly the book of Genesis, all the big questions of life are there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how can we bring the Bible closer uh, to people in the world, not just children and young people, but everyone? Uh, because it asks big questions. All the big questions of life are in there in Genesis um, and, uh, and in this story. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we're going to we're going to dive into one one chapter shortly, but before we do yep. that, it's time for Glover's off. And Glover's off this week has a, a Fiona Stewart emphasis. So I want to get so Fiona, yep. I've been getting into wild swimming. Have you? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I've been deliberate for about the last week and a half. I'd read something. I thought, well, just for a start, I've got this big river right in front of our house. I want to go swimming in it more often, and also, I was a bit inspired by hearing you talk about it. And so I've, I've got into it. So I've, I've read a little bit about it. I've tried to get myself warm before I go in. I've been practicing by having cold showers. Um, any other tips for wild swimming? Um, do it safely. Okay, so, so don't do it in canals. Don't, don't, do, it, don't do it in canals or, or do it in, in uh, sanitized canals if you're going to do it. Um, well, go with somebody or make sure people know that you're, you're going. You can get a tow float. Have you got a tow float? No, what Which does that particularly, mean? I guess, if you're in the Tay, where you've maybe got a lot of people doing kayaking and um, other activities on the water, so it's a it's a fluorescent inflatable bag. Basically, uh-huh. it's quite useful because you can store your your phone or your keys in it, All right. and you you put it around your waist, or you, you it's got a strap that you put around your waist, and so it floats behind you as you swim. Just makes you more visible on the water. You don't need it to wild swim. You don't need it to swim. Well, you don't you don't like wild swimming thing. as a phrase, do you? Well, no, I, do, I, I don't mind it, but I feel it's being used a lot now to describe what I would say is swimming. Yes. <laughs> I heard someone recently uh, going on about the word staycation, which people are using to, to yes. refer to UK holidays. And they were saying, that's, no, that's just a holiday. That's a holiday, exactly. So, a staycation is when you're in your house. So swimming, So it's about the same with wild swimming. Yeah, I think if you're out in a lock or you're out in a river, it is wild swimming. Um, the, the, in terms of temperature, one of the big things is about, so remembering when you come out of the water, if you're cold, if you have a hot drink, if you have something internally hot, that's going to be better for you than putting lots of layers oh, is on. Is that right? So you, you want to kind of heat your core up and you will, if you're swimming in particularly cold water, you'll experience something called after drop, which is about half an hour after you're out of the water, you think you've warmed up um, and it's all to do with the blood capillaries opening mm-hmm. up and things. But basically you'll, you'll experience a drop in your core, which can be a little bit disconcerting when it first happens. Um, but you, your body then does warm up. But if you, if you can kind of take a flask of tea with you or something like that, that that's good. How long does it take you to get used to the cold? Well, I, I kind of acclimatize. I mean, I've, I've been swimming outdoors for quite a long time. So when I turned 40, which is quite a long time ago now, um, I did the Great Scottish Swim and then I consistently did it. Um, but last year when we were in restriction was when I really started doing it into right beyond September into the winter. So I think, I, I guess I was acclimatizing because I was swimming regularly into the autumn and winter. I still find it quite hard when I'm in that. Yeah, the coldest I did was around Christmas and it was, I think it was four degrees. And were you wearing a wetsuit? I was only in the water for, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, in a wetsuit. And I was only in the water for about four minutes, I think. Okay. There there are, there are I can't remember what the ratios are, but there are ratios around, I think it's a minute per degree or something. Okay. That they think you can probably bear. Um, but, but I think the thing is to get out before you realise you need to get out. Okay. Okay. Because what it, you know, when hypothermia sits in, you 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 get disoriented and you think you're okay, and actually you're you're maybe not. What, what in um, biblical experience? Because I, I always in these Glover rants often have a and a funny kind of way. Jesus is like that bit. Um, yeah. What do you think I should relate it to? I have got one idea. But just... uh, well, I, I, do you know what I always think? What? When Peter leaps into the water uh-huh. when Jesus is on the beach, yeah. and he leaps into the water and swims. 
to see him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that. that's true. So I like the There's fact Jonah. that the, the outdoor sports... I mean, Jonah doesn't go wild swimming. Jonah ends up yeah, in the Jonah... water, but yeah. <laughs> it's involuntary. Um, although, of course, we can make Jonah because there was that fisherman that got swallowed by a whale this week. That's right, humpback, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I... Well, for a start, I always, as a runner... Um, or as a wild swimmer, we can rejoice in the fact that both of these are post-Easter activities. They occur very rarely in the Bible, except just after Easter. But I think it's baptism for me is the link because there's something quite fearful before I go in the water. And then when I'm under there, particularly yesterday, I'm filming for a service. This was the classic, by the way, yesterday of a coming up with an illustration, then trying to get my sermon to fit. I do apologize. And uh, I decided to jump from Aberfeldy's jumping tree into the River Tay. Uh, and as I was uh, jumping off, I was thinking, I was, I'm going to die here. I hate this. This is so terrifying. That is, ter- that is so terrifying. And then when you yeah. come up, you think, I've survived. I've survived. And I think that's the experience of baptism. There's something genuinely frightening about it. You experience a form of death, and then you come up and you say, I'm alive. Let me get on I mean, with my living now. Neil, you're talking yourself out of your denomination at this rate. What do you mean? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, no, that is fascinating. Yeah, no, definitely analogies to, to baptism. And, and uh, I think the, the, the place of water, the place of cleansing, mm. and yeah, that's lots of things can be talked about there. Well, welcome to the gang, Neil. Anytime I'm near the River Tay. Yeah, no, I we need to. I'll give you a shout. Anyway, thank you so much. That's great. Lovely uh, Glover's off there. And uh, we look forward to whatever you bring next time. It's always a treat. So we're thinking about Genesis 37. So we're starting into this story of of Joseph fitting into that family line. Um, but helpfully, Adrian, you've already talked about it. It's, it's not it's not just beginning at 37, is it? It's really it, it continuing a story that has begun um, much further back. And um, how did we get on with with delving into it again? Can we think maybe? Well, where should we start? We start with the start with the the, the business of Joseph himself. Is is Joseph the hero of the story? Is he the goodie and everybody else is against him? Or is it more nuanced, do you think? He's, he's the centrepiece of the story. He's not, he's not the hero. He's a, he's a, he's a curiously um, detached figure. The, the, one of the Bible commentaries I read on this gets very annoyed at him until he breaks down in tears much later on in the story. He's almost quite an opaque uh, figure. Um, he, he displays little emotion. Um, he, he's very factual. Um, he, he doesn't seem to have huge amounts of empathy. Um, he, he, you know, he, he tells his father the report. He, he gets put in prison. I mean, I, I guess there's one bit much later on when he says, he says to the, the butler or the baker is, isn't it? Um, make sure and remember me. But most of the time he's, he's quite an opaque figure. I, I think, I think because of, I think Judah and Reuben and Jacob become the the compelling characters in the piece. I think the interesting thing is, you know, um, we get echoes in Joseph of things that have happened before. So Joseph is at home with dad and mum while the brothers are out working with the sheep. Now, that's like, you know, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's at home with mum making food, you know, doing these Mm. different things. Esau's the one out in the field. So there's already this sense of this is someone who's in a family who already feels inside that family. He's an insider in terms of his dad because he's a favourite. And um, he's one of of two sons of the loved wife. Mm -hmm. There is an unloved wife and there's also two concubines and the children, all the boys come from them. And Dinah, of course, a daughter, one daughter, 
who has a dreadful experience at the hands of, of others. And we read that back in Genesis 34. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joseph is, on the one hand, a favorite, but on the other hand, he's not a favorite of his brothers. And that must have been very difficult. Um, now, of course, this is where we get lots of readings coming in, trying to make sense of, of this psychologically from a modern reading of things. But, but he does seem to be at a distance from them. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there's division in that family when, when, when in, in the chapter they're about to read today, he comes and brings a bad report. It's actually about the, the sons of the two concubines in the family. So is there something there in terms of he's picking on them and singling them out? But as for, you know, the, the, other, the other two mums, you know, he's, 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 he's not picking out on that. Um, so but there are these echoes of these previous stories as well and saying this is a family divided. It's just not not very good. So. I think we need to make allowances for him. I did, uh, I did hear um, um, him referred to in a talk that we were both at uh, the weekend, Fiona, in which um, an Old Testament scholar said, "Well, Joseph's just a bit of a brat, isn't he?" <laughs> in terms of these dreams, but of course, there's a family history of dreams. Mm-hmm. Abraham and you know Jacob mm. has that astonishing mm. dream at Bethel as well. So that's a family history of dreams, and, and generally, when the dreams come through, that's for the important person. But but as as Neela said, it's Reuben. Reuben, you know, is the firstborn. He carries a lot of the story. And as we'd said last time, Judah. Judah is the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is 17 years old when he's sold into slavery, but he lives to be 110. And interestingly, all those years spent away, he's 56, they reckon, when his dad died, lives another, you know, 50-odd years with these brothers in, in Egypt. But all of his life has lived away from the land. Um, most of his life, all of it just estranged. So this is a person that is in many ways estranged from so many parts of his own family, mm-hmm. also from God's land. Um, and um, though God gives him dreams and things, and he, he has this relationship with God with dreams, you know, you're not getting a lot of other stuff in terms of him making great statements about God. I mean, the words that he gets you know, talk about God, you know, giving him these dreams mm-hmm. uh, and things. Although he comes to realize that, I think, at the, in our just chapter at the beginning, he just has dreams. So uh, so quite, a, I'd say quite an opaque character as, as well as, as, as Neil said. But of course, that's why literature and art and music, they have to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. because the Bible doesn't, you know, always like give us the biographies we want. You know, it doesn't sit on the shelves of Waterstones or, or, or any other books bookstore book, book there and says, here's the Joseph story. We don't get everything we want to know, just what the biblical authors want to tell us. And we need to pay attention to that because their detail, the words, the every word matters. Unlike me, my words just keep falling out of my mouth and some of them matter and some of them don't. But uh, for the biblical authors, they're, they're there. And particularly direct speech, we spoke about that, didn't we, in, in some other stuff, uh, Fiona, um, mm. that um, when people speak, that reveals the heart. And what reveals in his heart through the story is, 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 is a growing relationship with God, which is impacting his life and an understanding of God's presence. But that comes hard. Do you think there's a growing relationship with God? I, I, I think so. Um um, in terms of here, here he says he says it's a dream. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. But later on, he talks about it, and of course, he is a great advocate for sort of you know God. Yes, God he, will he give says you. that, doesn't he? He says that later on. He said God meant this for good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And 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 in terms of even saying to his brothers that 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 you know. Um, that, that I, God sent me ahead of you to save many lives. So that it wasn't you who sent me here; it was God. Yeah, yeah. So, 
but but perhaps a difficult thing there because all of these different things we were talking about this last time weren't we and some very difficult things he's got to go through and somehow Mm -hmm. in his relationship with God he has got to reconcile the fact that the God is with him and that's one of the things that's said most frequently and it's the personal name of God Yahweh which is used in the Hebrew there is a very personal relationship here but the difficulty of that is that so much of his experience in life is so very very hard so God's absence that God's presence does not necessarily bring amazing things he has some very very difficult things and so he's got to reconcile that as 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 do we all God is with us God speaks to us but that doesn't mean life's going to be easy doesn't mean the bad things won't happen to us. Yeah, and I think actually there's a quality of estrangement there. It was a word you used earlier, and that, that really resonated. He's estranged. He's he's loved by his father. And it, it's interesting, 37, it says, it's quite an unusual statement in the Bible. It says, because his father loved him. So he is loved by his father, but he is estranged from his brothers. Yeah. He becomes estranged from his country. I feel sorry for him with Potiphar's mm-hmm. wife. And I... I mean, obviously, she's another person's wife, but he probably felt quite warm towards her. He felt, at last, there's someone here who understands me. And then that yeah. that goes wrong as well. Um, he has this curious relationship. Maybe even Pharaoh becomes a bit of a brother to him. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's You have this sense mm-hmm. of someone who, who, for all the the falls and rises in status, there's a sense of estrangement there. And, and yeah. Judah is the one who... I think it's the warmer character. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting what you say there, actually, because he's loved by his father. Mm. But the interesting thing, he's only loved by his father because he is one of two sons at this point, one son, who is who is from the favorite wife. Mm-hmm. So he is not loved for who he is and his character. He is loved mm-hmm. for what he represents, mm-hmm. the one son from a favorite wife. So actually, Jacob loves Rachel so much and that's why he ends up indirectly loving Joseph so what is his experience of being loved at all he's certainly not loved by his brothers mm-hmm. so yeah. so that's an interesting one isn't it yeah and, th- and I think estrangement's a good word but but it's distance as well isn't it there's there's a there's obviously the geographical distance that happens throughout the story but but there is a there's a distance in how he is in his relationships I think throughout with the different people I wonder if there's something that goes on. We, we've got to be careful not to import psychology into the Bible. Yeah, but, very much but so. But these are human stories. And if, yeah. you, if you look at the, the great human stories that come from all the ancient civilizations, there are relationships to do with parents which, which dominate, dominate these stories. And, and what you see in the Genesis story is the relationship you have with your father is almost one which which defines you but also becomes a process and and of your mother becomes a process of recognizing that somehow Yahweh can even hold you God can hold you more even than this mm-hmm. what's the what's the word you might use asymmetric relationship you have with your father where certain things are strong but other things are are weak and you know, we even get the point, don't we, where he he tells the dream, and his and his father and his brothers rebuke him. Now he hasn't asked to have mm-hmm. this dream; it's been given him. It's almost a kind of curse <laughs> to mm-hmm. bear this promise, and it will become a curse as he as he gets killed and or almost killed and then goes into prison. And his his father estranges, and yet he he makes a discovery within God 
of a love. And later on, of course, he doesn't rush to see his father again. He puts, he still mm -hmm. holds that distance. He doesn't say, oh, I'll come mm -hmm. back with you. You know, he, he plays it out. Okay. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things yeah. that we, we're called to attend to here is the relationships we have with our own mothers and fathers and how they, they mm -hmm. have defined us and there have been good parts to those relationships and there have been difficult parts. And, and somehow all those things are redeemed in God. Who, who is yeah, the true yeah. parent, both mother and father. Um, people probably know that in psychology of late, until very recently, the move in, in Britain was to have CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which yeah, very yeah, much yeah. Dealt, deals on the surface with certain tracks and patterns and things that we listen to. And deeper forms of therapy, which had the roots in Freud, were kind of marginalized for a long time because they weren't felt to be as clinically effective. But but just recently, um, more recent surveys have shown that forms of psychotherapy where you do attend to your relationships that have come down to you from early childhood and have defined you are actually showing on the long term to be even more effective than some of the more transactional CBT forms of, of psychotherapy. Now, all are good. And if anyone's listened to this, please go to the one that, you're, that gets yeah. recommended to you. But uh, I, I find that there is an attentiveness to the relationship you have with your parents and somehow Yahweh becomes bigger than that, uh, more whole, more redeeming for Joseph mm -hmm. as well as for all these brothers. Yeah, and just I suppose feeding into that, I'm just thinking about the Jacob story actually. And, you know, I, I was struck there, Adrian, by what you said that, that, that there's a history of dreaming in the family. Of course there is. I, I think I've never really thought about that till today. Um, and so it strikes me that that why is it that Jacob doesn't understand what's happening? Yeah. Here? Is it because because he doesn't want Joseph to be the one who's who's experiencing the dreams? You know, and, and we know from Jacob's story he's a man who's who's wrestled with that that tension of of envy within the family and and grasping within the family right right from from coming out of the womb, isn't he? Um, so I suppose it comes in how we relate to the next generation as well, and and having an awareness of that and a noticing of that. Do you think Jacob's struggling with the fact that the story's moving on? That Maybe he's having to I mean, watch his That would be a common son. experience, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the funny thing is that we're told in, in verse 11 of chapter 37 that the brother's response to dreams was jealousy, yeah. but his father kept the matter in mind. Yeah. So Jacob does know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I remember God appearing me to dreams, and those dreams were pivotal for him. Coming in you know, as he leaves the promised land and God promising, and then you know, Jacob makes this deal. Well, well you know, you have appeared to me, and, and if you bring me back safely, then, then I'll worship you mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's mm -hmm. exactly what he happens as he comes back to the Jabbok River and is jabbocked himself as he as he as he wrestles with that angel um, mm -hmm. um, and wrestles with God. Um, but that's the but the brother's response is is, is jealousy, and I find that interesting. You know, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. oh, for goodness sake, this lad gets dad, he gets the jacket, and he gets and he gets the dreams too. Come on, yes, yes. <laughs> And there's a lot of striving within that whole family because, again, that's what you see in Jacob and Esau and and mm -hmm. and Rebecca and Isaac. And you know, they're striving to 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 to, to win, which again speaks against the the, the grace theme that that mm. you've identified as as we produced this this publication. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think what I was going to say is, of course, this is what Genesis is working out, and this is why Genesis is such an important book, because at the very beginning, you know, God prioritizes relationship, prioritizes relationship with humanity. 
And then within that says, you know, for Adam, you know, this first human that, that mm-hmm. is created, it's not good for him to be alone, that the relationship is fundamental, that we're created to be in relationship with God and one another. And of course, um, that's a gift. But these gifts are, are broken um, when we choose to walk away from God. And of course, so much of Genesis is about seeing the fact that, that what happens to our relationships, that they are fractured, that they are broken. But, but wonderfully in the story of grace, they are not irredeemable and, and progress and change is possible. And, and God is the one doing that. And so often when we're looking at, at the world and looking at what God is doing and the fact that he comes to the broken places and is making them new, the dead places and bringing them back to life, the place that we see that first and foremostly is in the relationships in our own lives, which are blessings, but, but are, as you said, Neil, problematic. And we should look for that restoration of relationship and um, and that that happens with God then flows into our own lives. So it's in relationship. It's in how people conduct themselves with one another and conduct themselves with God that we begin to see the grace being worked out. For, for who else? You know, I, I, I can't show grace to my lawn, which is out here. You know, maybe I can. But, uh, you know, grace is shown to people. And it's what God does, and we learn to be gracious to one another, yeah. and that then becomes this thing in which God brings healing and blessing to others. So mm. relationships really matter, and mm. they're fractured in Genesis. And and on on that topic, can we talk about Reuben? Because Neil, mm. I know you wanted to talk about Reuben because because he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because I always feel with Reuben, he wants to do the right thing. He knows that what's going on is not right, mm. and yet he and he tries to ameliorate the situation. Oh. Actually, I actually feel very warm towards Reuben. Neil, what did you want to yeah, say I about really him? Yeah, I really feel for Reuben. He, he, I wonder if he's a bit like a Judas figure. He, he creates a big crime, but, but maybe he, he gives up or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, his, his big shame. Sorry, Adrian, you might be able to check this. I should have checked this. He, he's, he, um, he tarnishes his dad's bed, doesn't he? he sleeps, does he sleep with one of his dad's yeah. concubines? Is that what he does? I think so. I'm just, I was, I was just funny. I was just thinking of the same thing, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to find the reference. I for think that. he goes with Bilhar um, or, or, um, or Zilpah. It's one of the two, I think. Uh-huh. Um, what's interesting, you talk about brokenness in Genesis, and it exists on so many different levels. It exists on the the massive sin what what we would call the massive sin level so you know judah is seeing prostitutes um it exists in the, the family shame thing where you have all the crimes to do with with owning and the spilling of the of the seed which is about besmirching the, the father the brother's honor it, it it then comes into jealousy there's no distinction made there's no grade league table of of those you you've got reuben there who sleeps with his dad's uh, conquering did you find out who it was adrian Yes, it, it, it is Bilhah, Bilha. and it, and it, and it, yeah, it's just there, and it's just this one one line. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went and slept with his father's concubine Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Interestingly, not confronted, mm. just hears about mm. it. And there's something about wanting. Wait, what's to... the reference for that, Adrian? And um, that is Genesis 35 and verse 22. So there are all these complexities going on, and then we've got as well the political stuff of the fact that Joseph then becomes a friend of empire. And, and part of the systems of domination, we'll get to that later on. And in all of that, God God breaks through. And for all of us, we've got stuff we wrestle with. And we'll admit to the things like the jealousy. We won't admit to some of the bigger stuff that, that goes on. 
And we won't admit to perhaps our collusion in things like empire. This is also a story about asylum seekers and refugees and, and also racism appears. Mm-hmm. We don't admit to our complicity in those, although we, we see how our churches have colluded with, for example, slavery. And many of the churches in Scotland were built by slave owners. Um, in all of this mess of humanity, God, God still redeems. And the great discovery for Joseph, I think, is actually, what does it mean that God is with me? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Almost forget the dreams for a minute. Forget the, the color coat. What does it mean that God is with me? And, and he begins to work that out in, in stuttering ways later on in the chapter. But even then, you know, he still gets annoyed with his dad when he swaps the blessing to Manessa and Ephraim right, right at the end of the story. It's, it's a, such a fascinating fascinating story of, of yeah. God being present, God still with you. Well, what you said so beautifully there, Neil, is the things that mark us and we've got to deal with them, they're in our, they're in our lives. And, and that's there for Joseph's brother. And chapter 37, is, 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 as we're there, place names matter. So, you know, way down in, in, in verse 14, halfway through it, you know, and, and it's also in verse 12, you get it repeated. So you're saying, pay attention to this. They go to Shechem, to graze the flocks. Now, way back in chapter 34, there's an awful thing. Jacob has one son, and and there is someone that takes and rapes her because inflamed with lust for her, he then wants her for his wife. So awful way of treating a woman, just appallingly, but in that culture, that, that's how it is. And Jacob and, 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 and this guy's father get together to try and have some deal. And at this, this point, Dinah is still in this man's house because he wants to marry her, and he just raped her. Mm. And the brothers, hearing about this and knowing that their dad's doing a deal in the background, basically go and do a deal with the Shechemites and say, you know, we can have our daughter, but, you know, you, you need to follow our laws and we all need to be circumcised. So while they are nursing, they're delighted at this because they think they're going to get all of Jacob's flocks and land and everything else. And so while they're sitting nursing their pain from circumcision, Jacob's sons sweep in and they slaughter the lot of them and they loot the land. So we've got this moment when... Joseph's going down to Shechem mm. to see where his brothers are, this mm. blood-stained land. Mm-hmm. And of course, we see that, don't we, around our planet, places that are stained with blood because of what has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about Glencoe often to me, and I've been there at times in climbing or walking, when, when you just get the sense of darkness sweeping in, because you get that in the biblical narrative, that the creation, the ground soaks up the blood of what has been done in this place, and there's evil being done here, and it needs to be out. Mm-hmm. And God is going to do that, but for now, we've got to deal with mm-hmm. it. And so that's what we're getting. And the repeating of Shechem is this place where they're going down to. And then they're not there. So they move on to Dotham, the place of two wells, one of which one of those wells is going to be quite important in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this sense of they are carrying that guilt. You know, what does that do to you when you slaughter an entire people? Yes, for what they did to your sister, and that is justice in that world. But my goodness, they're carrying that. Their hands are stained with blood, all of them, Mm -hmm. because they were all involved and they thought this is the right thing to do. And they're taking that in. And now having slaughtered an entire family, they think nothing of then thinking about doing the same to their own brother. Uh, These are men with blood on their hands. And yet somehow for Reuben and for Jacob, for for, for Judah, sorry, that there is redemption here. Yeah. And I I was thinking about Reuben and I looked up Ruben, because we were talking about this beforehand, Fiona, and you were going to ask that question about Ruben. 
And I, I wondered what happened to Reuben. He disappears as a character almost entirely from the scriptures until the very end of the scriptures where we go to heaven and we discover 12,000 from the tribe of Judah and then 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. He's the second one to be mentioned. Mm -hmm. And 12,000 from the mm -hmm. tribe of Gad. And almost what, what Revelation is pointing to is a redemption of that, that whole story. Genesis 37 says, mm -hmm. this is the story, verse 2, this is the story of the family of Jacob. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not Joseph's story. It's the story of the family of Jacob. That's mm -hmm. how it's described. Mm -hmm. And then how does that mm -hmm. family, how does that story end? It ends in a choir in heaven where they're all represented, except Dan. For some reason, Dan gets missed out. People have often speculated about that. Um, but yeah, it's that, that redemption of this family story that happens. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think that's a good place to, to draw to a close for today. But before we do that, so I would love to know your takeaways. So from what we've talked about, is there, again, just a short, <laughs> I feel like because last time somebody said, yeah, you're making it clear you want us to be quick. Somebody said I, I said. Careful how I ask this question. <laughs> but just just a takeaway that, that has struck you afresh maybe today. Adrian, what what has, has jumped out for you today? I, I, I like that thing that uh, Neil was just saying there again, that uh, at the end of the biblical story, uh, you know, Dan is in, you know, that, that people are included again um, with it and Reuben comes back in there. And again, it's that indication that in, in God's telling of the story and God's weaving of our lives, um, everyone's included. Um, no one's excluded from that, at this opportunity to be in on what God is doing. Um, that sense to be gathered in and that God is doing that with every life um, it's a wonderful thing and of course that's nothing to do with Reuben Reuben's long gone by the time we get to Revelation it's all God's doing which is a demonstration ultimately that the grace that matters is God's grace mistakes are made we keep looking at that in the story but ultimately it's God and his willingness to show grace fulfill his promises that moves the biblical story on and ultimately allows us to come into that grace through Jesus. So our actions uh, matter, matter in this world, they impact other people, but ultimately um, all that we do wrong, all that's done wrong to us can't get in the way of God's grace in weaving us into his story. And that's an amazing reassurance um, in a world in which we're all too often maybe aware of the things that we get wrong. Mm, thank you, that's great. Great. Neil, what about you? Very similar to what Adrian's just said. I'm just struck. We're, we're, we're reading a story about the long patterns of time in which people are pulled apart from each other and then, and then brought back together in the providence of God. And in telling that story, we're making this discovery that we hadn't, well, I think you and Adrian knew about it. I didn't really. I, that, that we all grew up in very, very similar places, but then encountered each other in all sorts of different places, didn't know each other. Well, you two knew each other, I didn't know you. And then, and here we are talking about these big patterns of being brought back together again. So there's something a little bit meta, a little bit resonant about making all these connections about a story that makes all these connections. Yeah, I love that. Love that. My, mine is going to be around the, the place name stuff. Adrian, I love that when I when I speak mm. to you and, and we kind of speak to each other quite a lot around some of the audio resources that I've written um, for SBS, but one of the things I love is is you have that ability to 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 talk about place names or to talk about the meanings of names or to talk about how God has spoken about um, that really you know it, it sparks something up for me that maybe I haven't noticed on a on a kind of cursory read or something. So I I loved what you're talking about with Shechem, and I I want to go away and, and explore a little bit of that and and go back into the the Dinah story actually, which is it's a horrific 
sometimes I think I avoid some of these pieces of narrative because they're they're so horrible to to deal with and think about but but yeah my my um, challenge I suppose is to go back and 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 explore a little bit about Shechem and about some of those specifics of place names and and names that appear in in the the chapters that we're going to be talking about over the over the weeks to come so yeah Yeah. thank you for that thank you both uh, very much and next time and we were hoping Jen's going to be back I've said it before and I'll say it again Adrian you are always welcome to come and chat with us we've enjoyed having you you with us it's been fantastic Uh, next time we are going to be looking at chapters 39 and 40 so we're taking Joseph from the the cistern I suppose to um, Potiphar and into prison um we're gonna so if you want to read ahead with that then that's that's where we're going with that uh, we don't have any jen's gems this week but but before adrian escapes neil has some questions for him so we we kind of felt this was the the sort of the jacuzzi jacuzzi <laughs> so there's there's a, there's a there's a slightly yeah there's, there's one where i bumped and then there's there's one which is much more is much more softball. So the the first one I bumped is a calling the Joseph story triumph of grace, and it, I just wondered about that because the word grace doesn't appear in the story, and I wondered if it was a bit of a pulling it into a kind of a frame that Paul gives us into this Old Testament story. So I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, well, no, no, it's a good question because again, that we come back to the title again. Why, 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 why this title? And of course, one of the reasons is because Jason, our illustrator, this was the title he'd come up with. And I think one of the things that happens on projects is you're working so hard on getting the text. We spent a lot of time, Jen and I, with 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 Jason, working out in his illustrations what the Bible actually says. And he changed a lot of that because we had to work together and deep dive into this story so that we could understand what was going on, off, off, and then, then, and then. Jason would go and work on them. So but he had this title. And the more we looked at it, the more we realized this is what, this, how, do, how do you describe what God does here? And it is a triumph of grace. When I mean, we spoke about Reuben, we spoke about Judah. I mean, the transformation for Judah, that is a triumph of grace. How does someone change from the rotter that did what he did to be this person who's brought into things? That is a triumph of grace. So it's there even though, and it's there in the story, in the terms of the storyline uh, there as, as well. So I suppose that it, that is what I say. And interestingly enough, um, though we did the whole Bible overview thing with it in terms of the illustrated section after this and things, you know, it, we, we weren't in Paul at all. And it wasn't in terms of a doctrinal level. We're looking at it. And there was, you know, quite humorously, as I say, you know, there was a bit of a marketing ploy there, I think, in his head as he's writing a book, which he thinks would be appealing in, in, you know, it's not the same genre, but Harry Potter and, you know, um, the Order of the Phoenix or whatever, whatever these different things are, um, that, that, that that was the idea, that that was an attractive title. And you do have to think about covers and titles um, when promoting a book. So we thought it was an intriguing title. Uh, we, we, we took it and we worked with it and we never jettisoned it uh, with, with, with that. And, um, and in the end, I think I'm glad that we've chosen it because it is quite distinctive. Um, for those that know the wider biblical stories, you see it, see Neil, there are perhaps the accusations of this, you know, in, in terms of is this, is this coming from this, but it's certainly not coming from that position. Um, so for those that might think that and be put off, please do not. Um, it's very much coming from the Joseph story. Is that helpful? Yeah, it's actually, that? And it helps me rethink again what the, the Joseph story is, because in some ways I wondered if it, you know, it was the tra- it was almost the success of, of grace, you know, that 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 Joseph goes through many trials and, and emerges triumphant. But actually, the grace that you're talking about is the grace that that works with this disparate, broken set of characters and and also the relationships between them, 
and, and weaves grace and weaves yeah. goodness into into all of that. Thank you, Adrian. Admirable advocacy there from Adrian Armstrong. Neil, what is your second question? The the second one was just how much I've appreciated the choice of readings that were for Bible twenty twenty and so many and I, I now I, I feel a bit of a rebel. I do I do it in twenty twenty one. Don't know if that's allowed, and uh, I love it. It's the first thing I read most days. Is uh, is uh, look at the app, see what the reading is for the day. How did you choose the readings that that were Bible twenty twenty? Because that must have taken a long, long time. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that, that it was partly crowdsourced. One of the things that we were keen to do um, was was to go out because we wanted to include Bible societies, and this is how we worked through Bible twenty twenty around the world. So we wanted to go around the world and we asked invited Bible societies around the world to give us their their favorite verses of scripture. So we thought, well, let, let's start there. What was astonishing is that, of course, all, all of those Western countries came back and they were all words about God comforting us, God encouraging us, God helping us, God guiding us. Um, from Sierra Leone, from other countries which are more troubled than things, it was more about the righteousness of God, God's judgment. Really quite sobering about suffering about maintaining your witness in the midst of that. So that was our first point. Um, we then went to our staff and said, give us your top 20 readings. <laughs> and I still remember a memorable moment where Jen, uh, uh, Fiona MacDonald, head of national ministries and and uh, myself, director of national ministries, I should give her a proper title um, and uh, and ourselves. We just we just printed them all out on A4 sheets and we took them into the the, the, the boardroom and we just laid them all out and began to look at them. And we did this over a lunchtime with all the staff helping us. And then we began to put them into piles for themes. And then we had to then go off. And then from there, the hard work began of trying to pull them together in particular themes, mainly trying to go around 20 days. And we knew we wanted to start with John 1 um, in terms of the, the beginning of the year. And uh, we knew we wanted to end on the Lord's Prayer um, uh, with, with things as well. So we had a little bit of things there, but then we began to put them in. And of course, the difficulty came then in terms of there's a little bit of culling going on. So there was a lot of repetition and we needed to pull the, those, those together. And I have to say my first three or four attempts for different parts were all sent back to the drawing board. And I come as someone with a background in Bible. Um, you know, with some systematic theology, one of the things I was in, I, I wanted to make sure was we covered every single book of the Bible, not in depth, but just that there was a verse from there. So we did all of that. And then I beautifully put all this together. And when I first put it together, we put it into PowerPoint slides and I showed it to Fiona MacDonald. And she said, we just went through and said, nah, that's not right. In the way that Fiona wonderfully does. You know, just nah, it goes with the name. It's not right. It's not, it's not right. It just doesn't do it. That's not it. And of course, Bible 2020 was Fiona's vision, singularly Fiona's vision, this astonishing thought of people around the world all reading the same verses together in the same language. So it meant that we had to go back and do that work, changing the order of things, moving it, wrestling over, that we actually got a reading plan in the end. I mean, it was a year's worth of work to put the 2021 together. And I can only say that, that when we came to each section, we got to a moment when we'd shuffled them around, took ones in, chopped them up because they had to be able to fit in a screen. When we first did them, we didn't know how much the screen, the app was still being developed, how they would fit. We had to chop them and we would go through a section and we'd read them on PowerPoint slides. And when we got to the end and Fiona would go, yes, that's it. And I would have a sense, yes, that's it. So real collaborative effort, you know, from the whole world, from a staff, from trying to put it into the whole of the Bible being covered, uh, themes that then mattered, then how those themes work together through a year, um, 
that we actually got there. And it's one of these moments when you realize that after all the work that you have done, actually God mm. has been in this in a wonderful way. Mm. And of course, we rolled into 2021. It was quite, you know, just getting it going to begin with. It was a bit of a slow burner. And then we discovered that, you know, thousands of people are using it around the world on different platforms and different things, using it on Facebook groups in Costa Rica, where, you know, a huge part of the country is engaged in doing it. It's just astonishing stories of it. And, and, and there was great momentum. Mm. So coming into 2021, we knew we had to we want to keep rolling, rolling forward. How we're going to be able to continue maintaining that we, we, we don't know but people are still accessing it and using it and of course this year we've tried to move some of the parts of the reading plan and so uh, we've got a whole new section starting in the middle of june which is all about grace so there's a little section of grace of coming through but then from the first of july for about 47 days um, i've done basically the whole of the old testament and, and and the readings and the story of grace trying to do that and we had a moment when fiona and i sat down again after two or three times of me sitting there going what do you mean you don't like it um actually getting to the point where we both went at the end of it wow yes and of course god's word is astonishing and it does that and of course the other aspect of last year was that in the middle of the pandemic, you know, as our work entirely changes, we were looking at what to do at each section. And it was the reading plan which gave us our map. So if you remember last summer, um, looking at, you know, power and weakness, mm -hmm. hope and suffering in the book of Ruth, that gave us three astonishing mm -hmm. resources, which again, Jen, with astonishing gift and ability and insight into what's happening for children and young people around the country and churches, was able to put together these amazing resources. It was the basis for Advent readers, Easter readers. Um, it was the basis for Wonder Walks as we come into the, this, the, this year. Um, it underpinned everything. So... For all the work, for all the effort, for all those frustrations when I home from, went home from work bumping my gum about yet another reading plan being rejected, mm. ultimately it's <laughs> one of these moments when everyone working so hard together comes up with something and when you realize when you're finishing it, you realize it's not even my work. Mm. This is God's work and you can just stand back and go, mm. thank you, mm. Lord. And uh, if I can have days like this, I'll take all the days of frustration and mm. getting there because any writing, any great endeavor, any project involves listening to others and listening ultimately to God about what he wants so that in his sovereign grace, the things that he needs to get out there, get out there. And to be involved in something like 2020 uh, is, 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 it was just very humbling in that sense for all that we threw into it. And to hear what you've said, Neil, that, that you still pick it up every day and read mm. it. It's just a huge encouragement because you know you're someone that's been in the Bible, you know, for 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 so long and read it so well, and that it's helpful mm. there. And of course, it ties into one of the great things that I'm constantly saying to the church in Scotland, that we have a difficulty with Bible readership. You know, most people struggle to get the Bible into their life every day, and for all the decline we're experiencing, my great challenge always to the church in Scotland and church leaders is yes we need to worry about people outside of the church reading the bible but if we could get just get the church in Scotland reading the bible each and every day and through that hearing God speak with grace and with challenge into our lives let me Scotland would be changed overnight now I'd say that I'm employed by the Scottish Bible Society mm. but the reason I'm there is since I was a wee boy, God put the Bible into my heart and into my mouth in a way that is indescribable. And read that out loud. Mm. Uh, and what God's planted in me um, continues to drive my life in that. And again, the privilege of being involved in that in the Bible is just uh, just astonishing. Wow.
Well, thank you. I think you have made an admirable defence. The second one wasn't an accusation. Against the accusations of the Glover. So <laughs> thank you for that. So before we get into any more uh, discussion and time is running out on us, I just want to say thank you very much to both of you for joining us today. Thank you to Amy, who's going to be editing. So good luck with that, Amy. And uh, join us next time when we're continuing in the story of Joseph and thinking about the triumph of grace. See you then. 